0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Chasing the Feels. I'm your host, Angie Alex. So this episode, we talked to my pal Terrence Russian. Terrence is an amazing and quite accomplished photographer in Atlanta. I met him in the photo pit at Vans Warped Tour in 2010. And I've thoroughly enjoyed watching his evolution as a photographer. So we talk about all of that and a lot more in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another edition of Chasing the Fields with Angie. Today I have a very special guest with me. I've known him for about 10 years. He's like a little brother to me. His name is Terrence Russian and he's one of the most amazing photographers I've ever met. Hey Terrence! Hey, Hey. thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes,
0: I'm so excited. So I'm going to give a little bit of background about you um, and how I met you. I actually met you in a photo pit at the Vans Warped Tour in 2010. So that was super fun. That was a really, really crazy day. Do you remember that?
1: I remember exactly. Whenever I think about that day, I remember how I sweat so much. (laughs) Sweat went into my eyes and made me cry. I just had this sweat tear cocktail just going down my face.
0: I know. And you know what was even grosser was that I got the sweat from all the band guys flinging their hair around in the photo pit. That, I remember, I think I got some in my mouth and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm done today.
1: That might have yeah, put me so. off of a warped here for a while, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, uh, it was like, wasn't it like a weekend or two after that, that Mayhem Fest was? And it was equally as hot and nasty and sweaty.
1: Like the parking lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Terrence, let's talk a little bit about you and tell everybody just a little bit more about you. Um, you are an Atlanta boy. Um, yeah. You went to school in Atlanta and um, photography has always been a very big passion of yours. So, kind of give me a little bit of your background on that, education-wise, and then how you got into photography.
1: So, yes, I I'm um, born and raised in Atlanta, at alien. Yeah. Been um, in my parents actually had me in private school, pretty much all my life until I got to college. So I was a little bit of a shelter kid, (laughs) (laughs) very gullible at some times. But um, when I was in those schools, like I was able to kind of grow and evolve this passion that I didn't really realize that I had yet um, for capturing images and photography and telling stories.
0: Oh, Um, okay. Did you start out with like a small little camera that your parents might've given you?
1: actually the first thing that i started off with is actually behind right here oh my game boy camera it's the, <laughs> the original game boy and then they had the camera attachment
2: mm-hmm. that
1: went on it and um, pretty much it was a digital camera there was a printer that went with i think yeah got the printer back here too oh
2: you my god
1: with a uh, link cable and print out little stickers in black and white This was literally my first camera, and I've got it memorialized.
0: You do? Oh, my God. That's so awesome.
1: Um, I love it. Yeah, the little 8-bit images on this very tiny, not backlit at all, like, you can only use it during the daytime. Yeah. This is how I got my start in photography.
0: That is so, so cool. I've actually never heard that before. That's actually really cool.
1: It's the 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 nerd in me, really.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Um,
1: And from there, like I uh, in high school, I got into the yearbook, Mm -hmm. became head photographer and photo editor there. Um,
0: Were you shooting on a camera, a school camera, or or did you have your own equipment at that time?
1: It was a school camera, and actually, I'm a big like visual (laughs) person. I have that in the other room, um, but it's a, uh, I actually, I didn't, I don't have the original one, but it was a Canon, I think it was just like a plain Canon Rebel. It was like the yeah. first digital Canon Rebel that they made.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, and it's like maybe six megapixels.
0: Oh yeah. Back um, then for sure. Yeah,
1: We started off with the film cameras and then I think our junior year, we got the digital cameras and moved on to
0: that. That's really awesome. So you've always been a Canon guy. Always. Always. Yeah, look at that bad boy. I, man, how many have you gone through since uh, since I met you in 2010?
1: Oh, man. No, I had the Canon 50D in 2010. Yeah. Then once I graduated college, like later that year, I saved up all my, like, on-campus job and bought a 5D Mark II. Wow.
0: That's That was bought- expensive back then.
1: Yeah, it was like 2400.
0: I know. That. I think it still is almost. I don't know. It's crazy.
1: And I've gone through like the 7D, 6D, 5D Mark 3, and now I have a 5D Mark 4.
0: Wow. Wow. That's that is amazing. So, as you went through college, um, did you were you studying photography or were you um, going for a, another another major?
1: So actually, when I was coming out of high school, I had literally zero ideas of what I wanted to be when I grew up.
0: Right. Which I think is like, I I actually think that's really quite normal. And I think it's really hard as like parents, you're a parent. So it's really hard um, for us not to kind of push our kids. But I really don't think it's a good idea to try to um, make them try so hard to know who they are when they're 18, you know? I mean, you and I are probably still discovering things about ourselves now in our 30s and 40s that we didn't we would never have been able to guess back then. So, that's a that's a lot of pressure for yeah, a ton of pressure for an 18-year-old. So, I'm sure you're not alone in that aspect that you just didn't know yet.
1: And I kind of landed on becoming a math teacher when I first
0: No that. way.
1: Like, I don't I liked math in high school, so that was like my um, thought process like i was gonna go into it um i had a summer job teaching videography to high school students yeah like, in college so i kind of thought it would be a good match i kind of enjoyed teaching so yeah i went in wanted wow to be a teacher,
0: what and, a different uh, world that would have been
1: yeah I, I have no idea how that would have turned out right wow
0: now. that's fascinating
1: and um i still wanted to hang on to that like photography that love photography so i went around asking like is there a yearbook in college like i don't know how that works and i got pointed to the newspaper yeah and shot for the newspaper for like a semester
0: and what what college was this this was
1: this uh, was the university of west georgia in Carrollton, georgia
0: okay
1: um and when i was um checking my mail one day after that semester of just shooting shooting for the newspaper for fun And for, like, extra income, like, I got $10 a photo. Oh, cool. Every front page photo. Every color photo was $10. Every black and white photo was $5.
0: That's cool, though, when you're in college. Yes.
1: And uh, I remember walking around in the community center about to check my mail. And I smelt pizza (laughs) and followed my nose and stumbled upon the communications um, major recruitment and they won me over with the free pizza and the familiar faces that i knew from the shooting for the school newspaper yeah. and i signed up for a communications major with a um, concentration in broadcast media so like tv production
2: oh wow wow and
1: that was like my my main lane i was going to be in tv production i wanted to be a director a film director
0: wow and do you still have any of those like feelings or desires anymore
1: uh after doing a lot of short films and productions, I like directing but I more so like the cinematography aspect. So I'd rather be like a um director of photography. Yeah. Or and just an editor.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but after like after graduating college, I kind of shifted my focus entirely on photography. Like I almost went to grad school for film production. But ended up, um, life just took another turn, and ended up really starting to discover myself and my um, aspirations for photography after I graduated in 2010.
0: Yeah, so that was like right, right around the time I met you, and yep. um, so you know, we always talk about feelings on this on this podca- podcast podcast. <laughs> I, I can't even talk anymore. Let's just, uh, uh, anyways, we always talk about feelings. So, um, this is really cool because you're talking about how you followed your, basically you followed your feelings and what felt good to you. And that led you to where you are now, but led you to this, um, this newfound love for the art of photography and the art of concert photography, because it's much different than just, you know, landscape photography, or um, portrait photography. And I think that's what's really funny. A lot of people that aren't familiar with concert photography, they don't know, you know, that you've got this short, tiny window of opportunity to capture first few songs, no flash. And, um, and again, no flash, right? People are like thinking that some of those photos had to have been so well lit and this and that. And it's like, it's literally up to you as as the artist to create. Something magical in those moments, and it's extremely difficult. So, tell me, kind of how how did you end up at Warp at Warp Tour that that year? How did you? How are you there? Who were you shooting for? I don't even remember.
1: So, um, when I was that was my senior year. Like I think I, that was during summer classes, going into or of my senior year in college, um, was meeting all the requirements, and I found out I had to have an internship. Oh, cool. And um, there's this um, career fair specifically for communications majors called Media Day. Mm -hmm. And went around trying to get internships with um, TV production studios, the news. Like I was trying to stay in the lane that I was actually studying. Sure. And um, none of them were really looking for interns at my um, college level, like a senior basically, like about to exit college Um, and I was a little discouraged and my mentor um, Dr. Brad Yates at West Georgia, he told me to kind of like think outside the box as far as internships go and look to like see what look at something you would not normally see yourself in and you never know that could lead to something a next door or next great thing that could be open for you. And so I ended up wandering to the, at the time it was Clear Channel Communications. Mm-hmm. Um, they're I Radio now.
2: That's right.
1: But, um, I wandered off to the Clear Channel Communications table, which is radio broadcasting. I had no like earthly interest mm-hmm. in doing radio. I was always a visual person. Yeah like with the TV and with photography. But I ended up getting the internship at Clear Channel and mainly working for um Project 961, which was an alternative rock station in Atlanta at the time. Yep. And um had was mostly during like production for them, like editing commercials, um doing touch ups to um broadcasts, like um, and being doing promotions basically being like the face of the uh station, so at events um you would have like a tent set up with like giveaways and you want oh, the yeah. listeners to come to you like come to the table and interact and like kind of like having that audience engagement yeah with your target audience um that was like the main uh roles of an intern um at project nine six one they call us ninjas.
0: Uh, Oh, you know what? I think I remember you saying that when I met you, now that you (laughs) mention it. That's funny. I hadn't thought about that in a while.
1: (laughs) And my uh, supervisors there were Matthew Knox and Chris Swan, and those were the two who coined the term ninja. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, working one event, and I always brought my camera with me, so they were like, oh, yeah, take a couple of shots for like of people interacting with the fans and yeah. the website. And then one of my um, Knox, Matthew Knox, he found out that I had shot one of my friend's bands, by mm-hmm. uh, the name of Baby Baby, at a local pub in Carrollton, Georgia called the Alley Cat. Um, they had like their album release show um, and I just- That was
0: the first concert you ever shot?
1: was the first like music anything yeah. that I shot. And uh, I just on a whim decided to bring my camera and took photos and they came out pretty decent. That was in 2009. And he had saw some of those photos and told me to bring my camera to an event at the Tabernacle, which was Aaron Lewis of Stain had a yeah. set. Oh, wow. And, um, the Tabernacle,
0: there, was, is that, was that a, a photo pit shoot or was that soundboard?
1: It was a photo pit shoot and it was like, it was a uh, private, it was like one of those secret shows that radio stations put on. Yeah. And um, so pretty much I was the only one there with a camera. It was a very intimate setting, maybe like a hundred people there tops.
2: Wow.
1: And um, Aaron Lewis was up on stage with a guitar and a stool, and that was it. And uh, they had the lights going and everything. And I really got to like walk around. I had no idea what I was doing, but I got to walk around in the pit, walk around and get different angles and take photos of his set um, just to promote it. And I remember um, getting back to the station after we packed up all the gear and was um, about to leave for the night. And I showed Knox my photos and to quote him, he's like, "Holy sh! Like, <laughs> these are awesome, dude!" And I was like, "Really? Like, I didn't think so." Like, yeah. And uh, he started from that moment on. He started getting me photo passes for different concerts that we'd be like at. Yeah. Like, um, Tabernacle was my first like venue concert shot. Anything? Yeah. And then like Nickelback was my first like arena. Actually, getting a photo pass. Um, Where was that, to- Phillips? That was at Phillips Arena, yeah. Which is now State Farm Arena.
0: Which, yeah, i has been through. It's been many things. I think, yeah.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> oh, oh, that's cool. ended up being one of those uh, concerts that year that I got the cover.
2: That's so, really cool. A, uh,
1: photo of myself. Like they were giving away those. Um, yes. Promo. Yeah. Promo uh, photo booths and yeah. yeah, that was me in 2010 with my camera. You can kind of see like the Project Nine Six One logo,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: see it on the hat. But yeah, I I found this under a stack of uh, old magazines and stuff, and decided to get it framed. You
0: should that definitely. Was- that is a really really cool thing. What a little! It's like a little memory of of your journey and and all the things that you've done since then. And I mean, it's been nonstop since then. So. I met you then, and it's like, it progressed to the fact that pretty much any major concert that came through Atlanta, you were there in the photo pit.
1: Oh, yeah. It was um, definitely something that didn't happen overnight, but something I tried to steadily work towards despite, like, you know, life happening all around
0: me. Oh, yeah, definitely definitely. Cause I mean, for most, yeah, most concert photographers, um, you know, had other jobs, whether it was photography or other things. And so, you know, it's like, then you go out at night and you shoot these amazing shows and you still got to go home and get your photos edited and get them sent in. And uh, it's like, it's definitely, you have to do it because you love it. Yeah. Um, because it is um, it's a lot of work that people just don't realize how much work it is when they, when they just admire that photo for a minute on Facebook or in the newspaper or whatever. It's like, they didn't realize actually what went in to get that photo.
1: Right. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people didn't realize or don't realize like not everybody in the pit is getting paid like to do this. Like, yeah. like for, from that moment in 2010, to about 2016 or 17, yeah, I never got paid for like any of the concert stuff that I. I did. Know,
0: I'm I'm right there with you. I know.
1: <laughs> you so got you yeah, I did it
0: because of- I loved it, and it was like, uh, it was an art. You know what I mean? But um, no, I know people don't. People don't realize that they don't realize that it's um, a lot of times it is. It's for the love of the art. Um, I mean, and like you mentioned, um, you know, 2016 ushered in a different time for you and you're at a different level as a photographer now so well established in Atlanta, though. It's like that was one of the things, though, I have to say that I did love about concert photography in Atlanta is there was a select group of us. And it was like um, you would always see your friends at the show. Um, Maybe you see some people you don't really like, but it's okay. We're all in the same photo pit together. So. But um, it was always like a little reunion every show. It's like, oh, hey, 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 hey I see you, you know, and you always knew who was going to be there, um, especially if it was a big show. You knew who was going to be there. If it was a little show, those big dogs weren't there. But um, that, was, that was like a little, it was a, like a cool club. You know what I mean?
2: Cool well, kids yes, club, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So tell me how it's progressed since 2016 then. I know um, I know you do a lot more than just concerts. Um, but that's kind of one of your big passions is concerts. Um, so tell me in 2016, when was it that you started diving more into the wedding arena?
1: So I know like from one of the things that we talked about earlier, how, um, Life happens around you, and mm-hmm. like things you don't expect goes, like can take your life into a different direction, and things like that. Yeah. Um, I was chasing like all the uh, concert stuff, and in 2012, like summer 2012, summer fall, fall 2012, I found out that I was going to be a father.
0: Oh, that's
1: right. I remember. I was so yeah, surprised. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised, <laughs> But, um, like, that really put a lot of stuff in perspective for me because um, it was an eye-opener realizing that I'm not just looking out for myself. Like, I have somebody else I need to think about.
2: Yeah.
1: Well-being. And there was a moment where I came to a crossroads. Um, I've been doing a lot of just interning and free stuff for a couple of photographers. I ended up in a circle that I, um, got an opportunity that I could have gone on tour for like a month or two with Nas.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And, um, capture like behind the scenes stuff and everything like that, which came around the same time I found out that I was going to be a dad, which also came around the same time that I got offered a, um, like you were saying, the um, concert photography doesn't pay really pay the bills for a lot of people. And um, so I was doing a lot of freelance stuff here and there and a corporate company that I was doing freelance work for offered me a full-time job. Wow. around the same time that those other two things happened.
2: Oh like,
0: my gosh, that's my crazy.
1: And thinking of like getting an offer to go on tour of Nas. And I literally had to make the really tough choice of whether I was going to go on tour of Nas for like a month or two or start that I don't know, full-time job and yeah. get established and get some savings going to prepare for this new life that was coming into the world.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I made the choice to go for the corporate job. Right. And um a lot of the concert stuff had to like fall to the wayside, so to speak. And um once like I got more into that corporate realm as like the years went by, like some was born in two thousand thirteen. Um 2014 was kept getting established in that corporate realm.
0: Mm-hmm. It had
1: us going out of town a lot, doing photo shoots.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing you did a, you did a lot in um, California,
1: California, Kansas, Chicago. We most of the times we fly into these major cities and then drive an hour or two around yeah. that I've never heard of.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> um, it was still like traveling and keeping me on the road a lot, keeping you away from home. And I still want to go and do those concerts and stuff. Yeah. And that came a point in time where I had to make another choice of like keep doing this stuff that I love, but not getting paid anything at all for. Yeah. Or try to find more avenues to bring in money to support my loved ones. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to make the choice and. I think it was like late 2014, early 2015, where I went from shooting maybe 50 shows a year to, I think 2015 I shot four shows. Whoa. And like, I had had a conversation a couple times with my, um, I think you've met my friend, my best friend, Tristan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You um, guys had that photography company together. Jason
1: yeah. squirrels.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, he, uh, I had a, had a lot of heart to hearts with him about how I felt like giving up mm-hmm. on concert photography and pursuing more um, profitable avenues, um, sources of income,
2: yeah.
1: really felt like I was giving up a part of myself that I had spent all this time and all these years and all this effort really coming into and yeah. finding myself in. And then I kind of just, like, put it on hold because I had these responsibilities. Right. And um, he was saying that, you know, you can't give up, give it up altogether. Like, you've got to try to, like, somehow sneak that, not sneak that in there, somehow manage a way that you can still find that creativity that you thrive on. Yeah. Because, like, he started to notice a change in me too. Like, oh, sure. although I was like, I was present, like, I was there for my, my kids, I was there for my family, there for work. But, like, that creativity and that spark in me kind of sizzled out a little bit.
0: Yeah, I can. Yeah. I, I think that happens to a lot of people. And I think that's why it's like,
1: it's very, uh, it's a very tough thing.
0: Yeah, you know? it's so crucial that you keep chasing those feelings, like the good feelings. So, we, we get sidetracked by bad feelings a lot. And when we, when we focus on like the negative and why we don't feel good or what's not right about our life, it seems like we get more and more and more of that to focus on. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's so crucial, especially in those times. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so crucial, especially in those times to, to really, really dive into what makes you feel good. And, and in terms of like um, somebody like you, who is, uh, who's pure outlet, it's like coming from like you know, the universe itself to you and through you is this creative outlet. It's, it's how you can express yourself. It's how people can see the world a little bit differently. And it's like, it's meant to be there and it's supposed to be there. And when you suppress it, like the good feelings are gone and, and it's a, it's a hard time. So how did you kind of, how did you navigate back to chasing those good feelings and getting back into it?
1: So that's when I started getting into like wedding photography, like um never really saw myself doing that before but right a couple of coworkers asked me to shoot their wedding and it turned out pretty good
0: yeah and, I remember you you've done amazing photography for weddings and engagement shoots too
1: yeah they are um, it was always those friends who like no, you have a camera and then like hey you need to do this for us <laughs> that's how I like got started that's how I always get started like
0: yeah
1: hey do you think you can do this or that's, that's really you know, funny it's out here and Really found a uh, a joy in that mm-hmm. in capturing those like intimate moments yeah. between couples and families and those candid um, emotions, like trying to bring those to life and immortalizing them for like to be able to look back on an image and feel instantly be taken back to yeah. that feeling. Yeah. From that
0: moment. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, that's probably one of the biggest jobs a photographer can do is weddings. I personally never did it because I was just never confident enough in myself to risk um somebody's big day, you know? Because like you <laughs> oh, said
1: there's a lot of pressure there.
0: It, so much pressure. Like there's like a moment of a kiss. That if you don't get right, like you can't ask them to do it again. You can't ask them to repeat that feeling and that emotion and like the dances and the father daughter stuff. It's like, it's so huge. You're literally being a part of one of their best days of their lives, whether it works out or not. But like at that moment, it's still one of the best days of their lives. And that's a big deal. That's a lot of pressure, you know?
1: Oh, that's a, uh... I found something about myself that I absolutely thrive under pressure. Oh yeah. Like, like the chaos you know, feeds me. you. Huh? Like, yeah. like I, it, it works for me. Like I'm able to pull it, pull it off sometimes. That, but,
0: that is really interesting. Like that's something that you never would have found out about yourself. Had you not chased that feeling a little bit more and said, you know what? I owe it to myself to keep pursuing the photography um, even though I have responsibilities now, even though I've like thrust into this realm of adulthood all of a sudden and um, and I have to be responsible, I still have this deep, deep need to create. And, you know, because you did that and you followed that path, like it opened up a new, a totally new arena for yourself. It opened up new avenues about yourself that you didn't even know were there. And how fascinating is it that you do thrive in chaos? I mean... That's, that's a, that is like a, that not everybody does, you know, a lot of people freak out and stuff like that. And I mean, even concert photography is a little chaotic, but I mean, weddings for sure.
1: I've been told that I have a really calm, cool and collected persona, and very level-headed.
0: Yeah. You have always been, always been like super laid back. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody as laid back as you. And especially like in a, in the realm of photography, you know, I've seen some like, Photographers in the photo pit—they get pretty worked up about their spots and their this mm-hmm. and their that—and you are always just like whatever, you know. We're just <laughs> shoot the photo. Find
1: a way somewhere else.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You never bothered with any of that nonsense, and I think um, I think that's great. I mean, it's it's really amazing. How do you how do you see yourself um, going forward? Because this year, um, like we talked about earlier, this year is like nobody saw this coming. This is so weird. And I had so many friends of mine in the entertainment industry tell me and actually give my children advice to go into the entertainment industry because it was uh, unstoppable. And it, you know, in the recession, we still had entertainment. In this, we still had entertainment. During the war, we had entertainment. Well, not during COVID. We don't have entertainment. And that has been the most shocking thing about it to me. And the most heartbreaking thing, because um, I have good friends like yourself and so many other entertainers in Atlanta that have faced such hardship this year because um, just not given the opportunity to do what they love to do. So how do you how do you see um, how do you see yourself navigating through this? And um, are you still doing any photography in terms of um, using your creative outlet? I obviously there's no concerts, but.
1: So 20, when you asked earlier about the progression from 2016 on. Yeah. um, Those were really crucial years for me personally, because I decided that I wasn't going to settle for just getting by and um, doing what I needed to do to like, make things work like I wanted to keep chasing that passion of mine that I had discovered years ago and really grinded a lot and made a lot of connections and ended up getting to a spot where I was able to be that I started getting hired to shoot concerts and shoot festivals and ended up becoming like recommendations for like I got recommended to shoot Chris Rock when he came to town in wow. 2017 for his like comedy tour
2: yeah
1: i recommended to be the photography um provider for the atlanta jazz festival cool. i got asked to be on the photo team for music midtown and other music festivals like all these things that i had dreamed about years ago yeah, like,
2: yeah.
1: happening and because i kept putting in the hard work showing up with the smiling face and a good attitude and making those connections and finally started to see all that time spent and all the free like all the spending all the hours and hours of hours of unpaid work and feeling under under underappreciated not like of course feeling appreciated that I was had the opportunity to shoot these shows for different publications and different outlets but feeling like I was kind of going in a circle.
0: Oh, for sure. And yeah. I know what you're saying.
1: All that finally was starting to pay off. And like 2019 was a good year. And 2020 was even posed to be an even better year.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: All the stuff lined up. Like I was going to be shooting for like a city, um, for like all their festivals and activities. I was had lined up other festivals I was going to like be on the actual photo team for, had um, cemented myself as house photographer for like six or seven venues in Atlanta. Wow. Um, and then all of a sudden like 2020 is going like normal, like it's off to a good start. Like I had a reflective moment on New Year's Eve. Like I brought in the new year shooting a concert for the tabernacle for the first place I ever shot, like oh, an actual wow. official concert. Like that was like a full circle moment for yeah. me. because I was a house photographer bringing in a new year of new opportunities and everything and like really had that good feeling going. And then things start happening around the world and coming stateside and um, everything just stops all of a sudden. And, yeah. and there's like, Nothing like all this stuff that I had built up and worked towards and worked for and was hoping for, and for the first time in like forever, I got organized and went ahead and filled out my calendar for months of like things that I had coming up, like I've never done that before,
2: oh wow, and
1: all of a sudden like it's just gone like that's it was literally like a morning period,
0: yeah. Yeah, I I know I mean I I totally get it. It's 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 like um something you never saw coming and you worked so hard for and to have that memory of bringing the new year in the, with this like you know gratitude for how far you've come and appreciation for how far you're going to go only to have that door slammed in your face. Um it was not
1: decade too like that was from 2010 when I first met you yeah started doing the concert photography to that moment that was a decade a
0: decade of
1: work yeah and experiences and just
0: and and for it to be something that like wasn't your fault it's not like you did something horrible and you got banned from every venue or something you know which would be hilarious because I could never see you doing anything horrible but um you know it was something so none of us saw coming and I think um, you talk about this period of mourning. How how did you how did you get through it? How are you getting through it? Um, you know, what sort of advice do you offer people out there that are maybe even in the same situation?
1: I know that it was definitely like hearing all of the show cancellation announcements. Yeah. Day after day after day after day after day. That was really like tough because you're holding out hope like, okay, maybe things will be better in a month.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe things will be better in the summer. Okay, they're pushing back this festival to fall. We'll be okay then. Okay, they're canceling that. They're pushing it back to 2021. Yeah. We'll have some shows here and there. Like, nope, they're all canceled. Like, seeing those events and concerts that I had up on my calendar planning to shoot disappear one by one, wow. And realizing that I wouldn't be able to shoot anything. I wouldn't be able to see those um, friends, Mm -hmm. that inner circle that you see at every show. Um, There would not be a reunion because like, we have to distance, like we have to keep to ourselves and be in our own little bubbles for safety, Like. Um, not being able to hear those um, the music and the, the fans and being that feeling like you go through a period where you come to that realization that all that stuff mm-hmm. is gone like um, and it was really like I had a lot of friends and coworkers reach out to me because they know me like they know that I've had cemented my identity and my persona and my career in this space and in this industry. And then it's just all of a sudden gone. Like I've had a lot of people reach out to me like, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing all right? Like, how's everything going? Like, do you need anything? And um, no, after that realization came, like the uh realization that some of that money's not coming in like i'm fortunate enough to have a full-time job along with my other full-time job of like photography and stuff but all that money and income that i was getting from doing photography was always going towards daycare for the kids and yeah i know know how expensive that could be um that actually kind of balanced out because there were, there was no daycare. (laughs) There was no no need to worry about the extra money coming in.
2: That's true. To help
1: with that. So there was a little green, like silver lining with that, but you still feel defeated. And like you were saying, like, it's not something that's not your fault, but it feels like your fault. You kind of have an imposter syndrome because you've lost that uh, part of your identity. Um, It's like, what do I do from here? Um, And I went through, like, weeks, months of, like, that feeling of not knowing what to do, really. And not being able to express myself creatively. Yeah. A lot of my time went to, of course, um, Occupying my children's time, like yeah, because we're at home and with right. nothing to do, we have nowhere to go, um, and then also trying to figure out how to convert, as everybody around the country was convert my in person in the office job to like working at home, um, like those thing, those two things always like kept me occupied, but like there's still that missing piece yeah. and. There was literally, I wanna say that last week in March, I had two concerts, I shot Rhapsody on March 11th and Silver Sun Pickups Mm. on March 12th, and then had a wedding on March 14th. And that was the last time Mm. I had picked up my camera until like july i want to say wow where i got asked to shoot a um what do you call it some graduation photos wow and then like yeah like i kind of felt like i didn't really know how because i wasn't motivated to pick up a camera
0: yeah 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 um, like been knocked out of you yeah definitely
1: and going into like I really went into that shoot, that graduation shoot with imposter syndrome because I kind of forgot how to like, like, it's not, it's like riding a bike. You don't forget how, but I kind of like felt that I didn't know how to take a photo. Yeah. It was so long
2: because yeah. I went
1: from going like three, four, like literally between my full time job, between my photography business and between. She did concerts, I was pretty much had a camera in my hand every day of the week. Yeah. And then going from that to not picking it up for months was really tough.
0: Had to be really tough. And you talk about this imposter syndrome. That's something that um, I hear people talk about a lot, actually, because um, whether it's like um, somebody in the entertainment industry or whether they're just um, – you know, putting themselves out. This has been a year where people have come to start putting themselves out on, you know, um, uh, podcasts or all these other things like sharing their stories. And it's a common um, link that I hear a lot from people is overcoming this imposter syndrome. It's like almost like um, the doubt in ourselves is so much that we discount all the things that we've done. And all the reasons we deserve to be there. And we just focus on like, wait a second, do I I don't do this? I'm not I'm not this person. And and it's like um to have to overcome that, in addition to overcoming this like period of grieving and and mourning for the loss of all of these, you know, plans that you had and this um these feelings that you were were chasing and you were no no longer able to chase anymore. um, that's that's a big deal. That's nothing that you should, you know, anybody should take lightly. That's, those are big feelings. Those are strong feelings.
1: And, um, like you were saying with the, like finding other outlets, um, I did try to lean on like figuring out maybe weddings. Cause I had some weddings lined up, um, a big one in July that ended up getting pushed to next year, but they did a, an elopement ceremony outdoors, like six people.
0: Oh, wow.
1: I was like, that that helped a lot um, to get me going. But then, um, like my comfort level with the pandemic and everything going on and with like not wanting to expose my family to anything.
2: Exactly.
1: I actually had lost out on two other weddings um, because... They were, one got pushed up from November to August. Wow. And with like a decent size, like guest list, I think like 40 people in, indoors and in Charlotte, North Carolina, like that kind of like, cause when I accepted that I had two in Charlotte, my plan was to go up there, visit my family, my aunt and uncle live in Charlotte stay with them save some money on a hotel
2: definitely yeah
1: go do that but they're at the age where they have that compromised immune system like exactly. in 70s and 80s um like just going like staying in a hotel is uneasy about that so i had to pass on that wedding and then another wedding that was in november still happening in november they have about a 75 or so guest list they are doing all the precautions to stay safe, but I was still kind of uneasy about traveling up there. Yeah. And so I lost out on that. And, like, since everybody, like, there's no events going on, there's no concerts, uh, a lot of people are out of jobs, like, there's no extra income. So, like, I, there seemed like the, at a time, like, there wasn't any outlet for me to take creatively with the photography and um, with that I started um, actually one of my friends and um, workers at Live Nation pitched the idea to me or pitched an idea that I pitched to her about like doing like going back into my archives and reviewing shows and like I had always had that idea of like one of the to like take a look at a photo that I took and be taken back to that time and remember who's yeah. coming back and tell those stories. And, um, she gave me an outlet, um, to be able to publish those on Live Nation's so- social media accounts. And, um, did start doing a segment called Rushing Through Shows where yes. I would go through, pick a show, talk about it, and talk about photography aspects, things like that, and that got to run for about um, a month or two. But then um, furloughs started happening within the company, and like that had to be put on hold too. So,
0: oh, man, like, I loved the Janelle Monet one you did. Oh, that was you. a great one because you explained. Uh, you, it was just a, it was good. You, it was like it's like you were telling it, and people got to be there again. And that was, I, that is like such a such a missed feeling for all of us. In that, you know, we haven't had that feeling in so long. So, hopefully, you can um, pick back, back up again because you have some amazing photos and and you know to tell the story with it. I I hope that that gets gets picked back up again.
1: I might be doing a couple more like on my own because it's, it's something that I want to keep doing. Yeah. So, like the ones that I was doing partnering with Live Nation. Um, those are specifically tied to three Live Nation venues in Atlanta. Right. So sticking to like shows that happen at the Tabernacle, Buckhead Theater, and Coca-Cola Roxy. Right. But, um, I've been lining up some ideas for shows that I've done at other venues and smaller shows, larger shows, festivals that I want to revisit. And, yeah. Um, talk to people that I've met at the shows and interview people and things like that. So that'd be great. I think everybody needs that now. Yeah, definitely. I think keep me occupied coming up too.
0: That's good. That's good. I mean, and, and that's the thing is, is although you might not be doing the actual act of, of concert photography or wedding photography, but to, to revisit it and, share it with more people right now because you have a larger audience now because you know so many people are are still staying home and are still you know on their computers all day at home now so you have an opportunity to kind of spread that love um and that creativity and that art a little bit and i think um i think it would be much appreciated you know
2: definitely that's the goal at least
0: that's good Okay. Well, let's talk. We just have a little bit more time left, but I do want to talk about something crazy that just happened recently. I think I saw like um, you only found out about it because your dad called you. And uh, so let's, let's just kind of tell me, tell me what, what this is about.
1: So back in June, I went to early vote in um, Fulton County, the county that I stay in. Um, for the Georgia primaries, Mm -hmm. um, went thinking that I was going to be in and out 30 minutes, 45 minutes tops ended up being in line for seven hours, 45 minutes and 13 seconds waiting to cast my vote.
0: Amazing. That's unbelievable. Um, I remember seeing your Facebook when it was
1: happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I was, um, Luckily, I had a, my phone and a power bank with me. I ended up listening to the entire Run the Jewels disc- discography, watched an entire season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and still did not make it to the end of the line. Like
0: wow, it was, it wow. Was you were able, you did end up voting, but that that sparked this whole. Um, Debate that was really in Atlanta at first, um, but then it became a national debate, and the story took more and more shape. Being that we're moving into this really, really, really difficult time in our our history, I think with this new election coming up, and it recently, it's um, it the story's been featured in numerous publications and
1: so like new york um well i had made the post like something told me to when i was in line to just put a stopwatch on my phone and
2: see
1: where it goes um had one percent left when i was able to take that photo of
2: yeah your screenshot of the timer
1: yeah and um made a post about it like poured out my heart and my feelings at the time it ended up getting 13 or 14 or fifteen thousand shares and likes on facebook Um, a couple publications reached out to me most notably new york times and they interviewed me about my experience and then for a uh, video series that they're doing on the elections called stressed elections and i ended up being the intro for that first part of the series um talking about my time spent and then that just randomly like i had no idea it was going to happen got picked up by HBO and the last week tonight with John Oliver show. And like, I had no idea like that it had even happened at all. Like I was um, laying on the couch, actually coming down from watching another show on HBO Lovecraft country, which is just a crazy sci-fi fantasy um, series set in the 1950s.
2: Cool, I haven't seen
1: it. keeps me on the edge every time. Okay, okay. So, like, I'm literally on the couch trying to collect my emotions after watching that show. (laughs) And my dad calls me at, like, 11.45 at night, which was very odd because I never had to go to work in the morning. I was like, is something wrong? Like, So I wearily answered it. And he was like, oh, yeah, son, I just saw you on, on TV. I was like, are you thinking about YouTube? Because that New yeah. York Times is on there. Yeah. And he was like, no, I saw you on uh, HBO. Uh. I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, on the, uh, you know that show, uh, what's that What's that British guy's name? I was like, "Who? John Oliver? He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I saw you on there, and, like, you look very nice, and you're very well-spoken, and, like, you... I'm really proud of you, son. I was like, "Oh, oh cool. my
2: god!"
1: And like immediately, as he was telling me this, I got on like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I was like, "Holy crap!" My dad just called me. And I told know,
2: me I saw dad, John
1: it, John Oliver. And like within ten minutes, one of my friends found the clip, put it on Facebook, and like I was like, I filmed myself watching it for the first time because I didn't think. They didn't put my name in the New York Times article because I think it was for the protect... They didn't put anybody's names in the the video I because it was like a sensitive subject. But I saw on there, like, my name was like right there. Terrence Russian, Georgia voter. And, like, seeing that play and then John Oliver's, like... Unbelie- like he could not believe that I had spent that much time and he was talking about it and shining a light on the voter suppression problem in the South and in the country.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, um, the Black and Latino um, communities. And like, I, my mind was just literally blown. Like, I couldn't believe it. And like, I think now it's up to 3.5 or more million views Amazing. on YouTube.
2: That's, and that's just,
1: like, insane to me. Like, I that many people have seen my face. I've always wanted that many people to see my work. To like to yeah, see my yeah exactly.
2: But,
1: unfortunately, uh, I, I didn't get to plug my Instagram. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, they'll um,
2: find so you.
1: There, but hopefully, eventually, people will find my work. But for that many people to see my face and be able to hear my story and to be able to bring um, attention to the problem that we have in the country, yeah. but then to be able to relate to my story was very, and that many, like across that many like television screens and computer screens, like is very a surreal yet impactful moment for me that I'm I still part kind of like. Yeah, up. this
0: just happened recently. It like,
1: happened like Sunday. And yeah, this, exactly. This, this,
0: and I think, I think it's really amazing um, that, like you mentioned, um, it, it's sharing with all these people. It's shedding light onto something that maybe people didn't want to look at. Maybe they didn't want to admit was happening in their own community. I mean, Atlanta is a, is a huge city, and Fulton County is a huge county with lots of diversity. And the fact that you waited almost eight hours in line to vote it is, is absolutely unacceptable. And
1: well, somebody in like northern Bolton County posted that they waited like five minutes. Five, are, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that's like Alpharetta in that area up mm-hmm. there. You know, they don't have to they're, they're not going to wait long to vote. Um, and I think that's shocking. I mean, I can't I can't I've never been in a position like that before. And I can't imagine how that must have made you feel. Um, and I mean, I guess. It, at times, you must have wanted to leave, but you just didn't.
1: Like I um, it went from patience to frustration to defeat. Yeah, to anger, and to determination. I um, I was I went by myself, so. I didn't get to take bathroom breaks because I didn't want to leave line. I did not eat or drink anything during that whole time. Um, There was uh, people who came in pairs, like they went, switched off, went to go get something to eat, like nearby, brought food back. Um, People were walking around with water, but I was, like I was saying earlier with the COVID thing, like I'm very cautious about exposure so I didn't want to take my mask off even for like a split second mm-hmm. so I did not take any um, water from any of the volunteers um volunteers passed out pizza but I'm allergic to gluten and wheat so even if I wanted to eat it I couldn't eat it
2: yeah
1: and like just being on my feet the whole time and like I really felt defeated after like the first three or four hours but I got my second win because I started talking to my mom and my friends and really convinced myself that I owed it not only to myself, but to my community and to so many people who have come before me who have fought and even died for their right to vote and to let let voices be heard. Yeah. that kind of gave me that new spark that I needed to see the whole thing from start to finish. And right. no matter what. And like, just after I cast my vote and made it back to my car, I was like, I have my camera in my car. I needed to take a photo of how I feel right now. And it's just a photo of me tired, exhausted, hungry, thirsty, but I have my voting sticker in, ha- in my hand, and like it was just—it was one of those um, photos worth a thousand words kind of moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, I
1: probably wrote a thousand words after that. But.
0: Right, right. It's just so interesting how it played out. You know, your your decision, your fight, your inner fight with yourself: of, Do I stay? Do I go? Am I am I wasting my time? I'm so frustrated um and you could have not said anything you could have gone home and gone to sleep and not said anything about it but you didn't you voiced your opinion you voiced your frustration um you shed this bright light onto something that was that happened to you that everybody should know about and because of it it didn't happen overnight but you know three months later um it's out there for the whole world (laughs) To see yes. literally the whole world to see that what, what you went through to, like you said, I mean, people fought and died for the right to vote and you, you wanted that opportunity too, and it shouldn't have taken you eight hours, but you, you did it. And now there's light onto it. There's no going back. You know, Once something's exposed um, there's, there's only moving forward. That's all we can do. We can't go back into the dark. So, I think um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's so brilliant that you did that, and so amazing um, that other people saw the brilliance in it too, and um, and that you're getting the recognition for it. But more importantly, the subject is getting the recognition for it, which is which is this this th- this problem that we have as a as a country. Um, and I hope that it doesn't happen again. Uh, You know, in November, when we all go to cast our ballots or people are mail-in voting, whatever it is, it's going to be interesting. I know it.
1: I know I don't want a, uh, the really big one that started to turn heads in Georgia was the governor's race in 2018. Yeah. Stacey, Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp.
0: I remember that.
1: How that whole thing unfolded and like people started paying attention to voter suppression, but then it kind of like I don't know, it's, it's crazy to me that you can be in charge of the election that you're running in and yet nobody think that there's a problem there. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's uh um so definitely Georgia has had that history even years before that.
2: Yeah
1: everywhere in the south and other places in the country and it definitely is important that those problems are getting aired out now
0: for sure and solved too i think um i don't i don't think it should discourage people from voting i don't think that it should detour them because um that's exactly what they're hoping for so you know get out there and um voice your opinion and um voice your frustration with it too if you have to stand in line for so long like that during a pandemic too. I mean what that's just so bad, Georgia. So so bad, Georgia.
1: Like my anxiety was through the roof, really standing around so many people and being in the pandemic. Like it was it was rough. Especially like it started off social distance, but by the time it got towards the end of the line. People kept getting closer and closer. So. Oh
0: yeah, they wanted to hurry it up. They're like, "If I squeeze in closer, we'll get done faster," which yeah. really doesn't work. But <laughs> I understand. I I would have been the same way. I I I don't know honestly if I could have made it that long. Um, I just don't not without food, not without water, not without using the bathroom. I mean, um, it was tough.
1: I had to like willpower, like
0: seriously.
1: By the time I got home, like I, it was like almost. I think I got done voting at like one thirty. Made it home at like two ish, two fifteen. Mm-hmm. Showered, ate something at like two
0: forty-five. Uh Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's uh, that's awful. Well, it's really cool that that clip is out there for the world to see, and I hope that um, as we move forward in Georgia, in the South, and around the country, we can all learn from these things and and uh change the way we do things
1: mm, definitely
0: um well we are gonna have to wrap it up here but i i want to ask um one more thing i'm sure uh people ask you all the time for advice if they're trying to get into photography or anything like that um what is the single best piece of advice you would give anybody just in general it doesn't even have to be about photography What What is something that you have learned um, through experience or the hard way that uh, that you would offer to anybody out there?
1: I would say it's kind of a two-parter, but don't say that you can't do something. Like never say that you can't do something because there's always a way to accomplish what you have your sights set on. Um, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to give in to those bad feelings. But once you move past all that and get to that good feeling again and find your motivation, find your determination and persevere, you're able to accomplish what you have your sights set on. But you'll never know if you don't try. I've definitely learned that over the years i've been like there's been so many times where i've been afraid to do something or ask something or try something and like the worst that can happen is somebody can say no you don't get to do something you don't get to go somewhere well then you come back you regroup and you just find another way i think that would probably be my off the top of my head the best advice I would give to anybody.
0: I think that's excellent advice. And you're, you are so right. It's, it's so easy to stop ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. Um, We, we always close the door to ourselves for opportunities before we even start, because we are, we already in our mind, think about all the possibilities and reasons why it won't work. Instead of just silencing those voices and moving forward anyways, like you said, the worst thing that happens is they say no, or it doesn't work, or you know what I mean? And you, you learn from that. You've expanded in those moments, and you have actually made yourself quite stronger by following through with what you wanted to do. So I think that's excellent advice, Terrence. Thank you so much. No problem. Yeah. So, okay. Before we go, tell everybody where they can find you.
1: So I am on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube as Photo Russian, P-H-O-T-O-R-U-S-H-I-N. And you can also find my website at thephotorussian.com.
0: Awesome. And the is that where the on the YouTube where the um, Live Nation things are or will that be on Live Nation?
1: They're on the Live Nation uh, Russian Through Show episodes are on the Tabernacle Bucket Theater and Coca-Cola Roxy Instagrams. They're okay. on my Instagram and I've just now put them on my YouTube page.
0: OK, good, good. I think everybody has to check those out. Those are those are amazing well thank you so much for being a guest here today. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you and Thanks. and reliving some great memories and um i I wish you nothing but the best in the future. It's got to get better from here, right let's let's yeah. uh put it out there in the universe for more concerts in 2021 and let's just get this year over with.
1: It's, it needs to my 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 saying this year has been onward and upward. Onward yeah. and
0: upward. I love it. I love it. Well, with that, I thank you again so much for being a part of this and we'll keep up with you.
2: Sounds good.
0: All right. Take care. You too. Thanks.